Thanks for listening to Organic Matters. Uh, tell your friends I'm on anywhere over the week. All you have to do is go to basically any podcast broadcaster, whether it's Apple or Spotify or iHeart. I forget what all. There's like 10 of them. And they've now picked me up. I even have a new one, I think, called Acast. It's going to put me on. And it's just what I've always done for 22 years. It's mostly gardening and Oh, well, you talk about climate change. We talk, talk about the plastics and the oceans and the rivers and what we should be doing about them just because I need to keep reminding people, folks, it's very important. And today I'm going back to something that I started about a decade ago, maybe more. I forget what year it was. We had originally canceled the manufacture of most tungsten bulbs back during the Bush era. And then, um, what's his name? Uh, Trump rolled all those back and let them keep making these really, really inefficient light bulbs because he had um, uh, pocket liners, I call them, people sending him money from uh, the biggie was GE, General Electric, but several other bulb companies. And he just did it to line their pockets. He did sure as heck didn't do it to make the world more convenient and better and easier to live in. And although I say, again, I can't do politics, I can't do it without them. Making progress on energy efficiency, for instance, in the United States is a real challenge. When the rules change every four years or so, depending on who the administration is that takes over at the time. But here we are again, with the Biden administration undoing the changes made by the Trump administration to regulations made by the Bush administration. So it started with Bush, which was a decent president at least, and then Trump blew the whole thing off and now Biden's trying to bring it back. Listen to why, and you and I and all of us will actually gain monetary as well as health benefits from just changing this rule, which we should have done when Bush did it in the first place. Back in 2007, former President George W. Bush's Department of Energy, the DOE we call it, introduced regulations that started a revolution in lighting, which I truly have followed in real time as much as I can, but it wasn't easy. Nobody at the time knew how it would unfold. There were lots of different kinds of bulbs serving different needs, and it was unclear what kind of regulations were really needed. So the legislation had a sort of backstop, or I want to call it a time bomb built into it. By January 1 of 2020, all light bulbs must deliver 45 lumens per watt, in other words, much higher efficiency, save you money, save me money, save the world, um, tons of CO2 every year. But this backstop would catch all those specialty bulbs listed under the initial listing. They were the spots, the candelabras, the hipsters, steampunk incandescents, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they were supposed to either be eliminated or replaced by much more efficient bulbs. However, let's call them the big bulb companies. General Electric, Phillips Lighting, and Sylvania. They liked selling all those special incandescents. They made a killing on them. They were almost half of the market at one time. And as I had said a little bit earlier about the, it was a kind of a conspiracy to keep them on the market. If they sell you an LED, they only make one sale for a decade. LEDs last a long time and are really inexpensive to use. With incandescents, you're a customer forever. So big bulb, um, edged on to former President Trump and his Department of Energy and changed the definitions and excluded all the bulbs from the general service list. In other words, 
they made a category to continue exempting all those cheap stage two so they could keep selling them. And they were put no longer under what we called the 45 lumen rule. Just before the time bomb was supposed to go off. Another Trump specialty. And again, I try to get off politics, but this guy has no respect for the environment whatsoever. Fortunately, now is it's the year 2022, folks, and the 45 lumen rule is back on. Okay, the new standards will save customers. Listen, this is the good part. Whether you like it or not, and they're forcing you to do it, this new standard will save the average consumers in America each year over $3 billion, folks. $3 billion is, uh, will support the war we're in, at least for a while. Uh, that's in utility costs and cut annual carbon emissions. Just by changing light bulbs, folks. According to Joe Vukovic, uh, incidentally, he's the National Resources Defense Council leader, the emissions slash are equivalent to the annual greenhouse emissions of about 48 or 49 million automobiles. In this final rule that got put back in place, which again, should have been put in place in 2007, that's how many years times millions and millions of tons of CO2, not to mention billions of dollars spent for extra lights because the lights were so inefficient. In this final rule, the DOE is codifying the code of federal regulations as it was before, or was supposed to be, to 45 lumens per watt minimum. Backstop requirement for general service lamps that Congress prescribed in the Energy Policy and Conservation Act as amended. DOE has determined this backstop requirement applies because DOE failed to complete a rulemaking regarding GSLs in accordance with certain statutory criteria. Other words, this final rule represents a departure from DOE's previous determination published back in 2019 that the backstop required was not triggered. Why? Because Trump canceled it. And yes, his cancellation made GE's and uh, Sylvania and Phillips, not tons, millions, if not billions of dollars over those years. Unfortunately, who paid for it? You and I, this general consumer. Uh, first, they made it difficult to even adjust to LEDs. I have some good friends that still dig out and buy tons of these tungsten bulbs. I don't know why. I don't know what they're gaining by it. I guess if you want a heat lamp, which is what they basically are, it's great. But for general illumination, they're now just as expensive or almost expensive and they last 10% of the time of any decent LED. So think about it and you can quote me on this if you'd like. LEDs have become so inexpensive that there's no reason for manufacturers to keep selling 18th and 19th century technology that just isn't very good. It, 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 it's just turning electrical energy into light. It was very inefficient. These standards will finally phase out energy wasting bulbs across our entire country. And incidentally, we are still the leaders across the world. And of course, that makes me happy. I call it the LED revolution. It has been the most remarkable environmental success story as long as I can remember, folks, and I'm getting up there in years. One of the first commercially available LEDs, believe it or not, was only putting out 600 lumens and cost about 70 bucks. No wonder anybody wanted them. Now, according to the most efficient LEDs of 2022 listing, an 800 lumen bulb costs less than $5. At 94 lumens per watt, incidentally, it leaves even the Bush standards literally in the dust. It's so efficient. 
why anyone would have wanted to stop this kind of progress is beyond me. But at least until the next election, the LED revolution continues, unless we get another absolute wacko in the uh, uh, charge of the country, LEDs are all there's gonna be. And they are efficient, they last, I won't say forever, but in comparison to tungstens they do. And yes, you can get them in any color. If you want the old yellow color you got with your bulbs, fine. If you want daylight, if you want blue light, all available at about the cost, maybe a third more than a current light bulb, but it lasts over 10 times longer. Folks, it, it, it's not even a question. Uh, I changed 28 light bulbs in a home that I and it actually finished building. It was actually a log cabin in Fort Davis, Texas. And estimated that it went from 2,800 or 3,000 watts a day to run my house to about 300 or 350 watts a day for that same amount of light. It's not even a comparison. Uh, I have some friends, and I don't even understand it, that still want these tungsten bulbs. But uh, they'll have to stop sometime and tell me why. The last part of this portion of the show, I'm going to talk about something most people are unaware of, but I have a good, good friend of mine, and she mentioned that I should bring up something that uh, most people probably aren't aware of. The natural resources people use the most, of course, are air and water. Think about it. But it may come as a total surprise to you that third place is the amount of sand we use. Sand, folks. Sand is used to make glass, computer chips, toothpaste, cosmetics, food, wine, paper, paint, plastics. And of course, the largest probably single use of sand is making buildings out of concrete. As a reference, concrete's 10% cement, 15% water, and 75% sand. The concrete required to build a single house on average, average size house, takes 200 tons of sand. An average small utility hospital uses 3,000 tons, and a mile of highway requires 15,000 tons of pure sand. Now, when you look around the world, you might think that there's no shortage of sand, but we are using it up faster than the planet can make it, and the extraction of sand from seas, rivers, beaches, and quarries has negative impacts on the overall environment and even the surrounding communities. Kind of a for instance, or as an example, removing sand leads to erosion in riverbeds, just as a single source, significantly increasing the risk of flooding in many places, and also the, it lowers the efficiency of the river to keep itself clean. A potential strategy to reduce the impact of extracting sand to meet society's growing needs is for also a strategy for helping to reduce the production of mineral mining waste, which is the largest waste stream on this planet. Mining produces 33 to 66 billion tons of waste material each year, and it's ever-growing. A new study by researchers in Switzerland and Australia looked at the potential of using mining waste as a source of so-called ore sand. Sand-like material left over from mining operations could be used for many current applications instead of the sand. Separating and repurposing these materials before they are added to the waste stream would not only reduce the volume of waste tremendously, but 
in changing the, the way it's handled, it would also create a really, really responsible new source of sand, which again, people just don't think about, folks. Everything you look at, it's, it's got sand in it. Who'd, who'd have ever thunk, as we used to say in the old South where I came from. Anyway, just wanted to throw that at you because uh, she brought it up and I did think about it and, and have thought about it. I actually came from South Georgia where mining sand is, is an everyday occurrence. So anyway, thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matter.